This is the part of the service that we're going to open up the, the Bible together and we're starting a new series today which is very exciting. So we finished up going through the book of Philippians last week. Eleanor brought that to a close. If you've not listened to that, please have we listen. You can get it on all good podcast apps and I'm sure a few bad podcast apps as well. But we'd love you to journey through uh, that series. So we're going to be looking at a new series. We've called it New Roads and New Rivers. Uh, to keep it very simple, I, I love Jesus. I'm quite a simple person. I love Jesus. I love his story. I love how his story changes my story. I love how God's love for us shapes us. And I love how this story of Jesus coming to earth uh, is for a city. It's for our city. It's not just for me. It's for our city. It's not just for a school hall. It's for our city. And I believe there's new roads and new rivers uh, ahead for us to adventure into uh, as followers of Jesus in this next season. And there's a, I really feel a response moment, a responsibility moment as well to seize it as individuals, as a church, uh, with all that we have to step in, to say yes again, and to sign up afresh to do the stuff. Uh, yeah, I really, I, I really sense that. We really sense that. That in the obstacles of COVID and everything that uh, comes along with this last year, the struggles of that, that there's, there is new kingdom opportunity in the mix. That God is recommissioning his church and he's bringing his bride back to its roots. Uh, going down to the roots of something means that we need to do a bit of digging sometimes. We need to get our hands dirty. And... Uh, if we want to be available, I, I want to look through a couple of things that we need to remember. So it's a six-week series that we're looking at, and we're going to unpack these parts a bit. And we're going to look at a couple of verses in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43, a couple of verses in that chapter. I want to give you a little bit of context about the, the book of Isaiah and Isaiah himself. He lived in Jerusalem. He was a prophet, and he spoke to leaders in Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, on behalf of God. And the crux of his writings, that's a good word, isn't it? The crux of his writings were warnings. So warnings to the corrupt, warnings to those who uh, weren't living as they should, and just warnings of God's judgment uh, as a result of that, but also a message of hope. So I had these two uh, key messages running uh, throughout, that God would fulfill his promises that God would send a king to establish his kingdom here on earth. And this is how uh, this, this uh, gift that God would bring, this king, uh, this is how God's salvation and blessing would go out through the world, uh, as was told in Genesis 12 when uh, God spoke to Abraham. And it's the hope which fueled Isaiah to speak against idolatry. There's a lot of idol worship. And people who had turned from God, which was a constant, uh, yeah, it just seemed to be a recurring thing in those times. So as a broad overview, chapter 1 to 39 gives the, the warnings and the warnings of God's judgment as a result of, uh, as a result of uh, people's behaviour. And uh, chapters 40 to 66 go into the promises of God and the hope carried forward in, into these times. So we see these hope, this, this hope, these hope promises of a king, uh, of a saviour, 
new roads and new rivers. These writings fulfilled, a new day coming. And we see time and time again in the New Testament as we read of Jesus' life here on earth, that when he comes, that many had a struggle with that, that many had a struggle. Yes, there was lots who followed, lots who believed. There's lots of amazing stories of encounters. But uh, on the flip side of that, there was many who missed out. There was many who didn't get it, got lost in the wrong things. Good people, people, uh, godly people, but people who couldn't step in to the new, who couldn't let go. So we're going to read Isaiah 43, 16 to 19. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I want to hone in on, the, on that line this morning. It's a striking line. And what, what Isaiah, uh, what has been said by God here is, see that time I split the sea open to save you. Forget about that. Don't dwell on that. And I want to look at a couple of things on the past today, kind of, kind of like warnings linked to the past. And firstly, I want to look at beware of typecasting. Beware of typecasting. Now, we have uh, many friends in many places, and we associate them with, it's quite a line, isn't it? We have many friends in many places. But we associate them with different experiences, different encounters, different seasons in our lives. That's pretty normal, isn't it? I'm sure if you were to rattle through some of your friends and chat through uh, some of the friends that you have with people, you'd find you do that as well, don't you? You maybe have, I don't know, Trisha that I play tennis with, uh, Pete, who's a teacher, uh, Steve, who I go cycling with. Uh, so you associate them, don't you, with particular experiences. And when they aren't do doing those things, it doesn't feel right, does it? Uh, it's a bit like when you were younger and you saw your school teacher outside school. You maybe maybe were in the supermarket, and it was just strange. You would like nudge your your parents, or you would nudge your friend and go, "There's Mrs. Hughes." What in Tesco? That can't be right. She's doing shopping. She she's meant to be in our classroom. Seeing them outside their usual context was just. Strange, or maybe your Christmas work night out. So you started a new job, or uh, you've, you've had a, a gathering with your work colleagues outside your nine to five, and you all meet at a pub, or you meet for dinner. Oh man, you look really different without your work clothes on. You're like a, a different person. This is strange, guys, isn't it? This is strange. We're all around the table here. We're, we're usually working. We just can't quite compute it. We get used to the familiarity and process those and those relationships that way. You know, when it comes to following Jesus, typecasting and familiarity is dangerous. Perhaps we can't see out the picture that has been painted. Perhaps 30 years ago, 
our experience, our encounters with God, perhaps it's growing up or during particular highs and lows, we paint a picture of, of Jesus in that way. And then something overflows out with that context and we're like, oh no, no, no Jesus, not just now. Not just now, I'm working just now. Or no, 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 I can't go there just now. You know, Jesus, I'll, I'll chat to you at half ten on Sunday. This isn't your space. It's like when Jesus healed on the Sabbath and there was an uproar from the Pharisees. They just couldn't quite compute outside the usual, the usual boundaries that they had created for uh, for miracles or for uh, church stuff or for yeah, how we do life with God. Somebody once said the people who said to love God ultimately killed him when he showed up, speaking of the Pharisees. What a, what a line that is. The people who said that they loved God most ultimately killed him when he showed up. Maybe for some, or some of us watching our past has programmed us uh, into viewing Jesus in this neat and tidy way, into this comfortable Jesus that's easy to pick up and put back down. A Jesus that is uh, that we follow through choice and through or through feelings. A Jesus that only meets us this particular way and in this particular space. Maybe we have uh, maybe it's predictable. Maybe we feel that our Jesus is predictable. I'm only I only meet you in this space, because in the past, that's where I've had my moments. And yes, there's a lot to be said for uh, for pushing into those spaces that we know we meet God, but sometimes we're perhaps limiting him. Sometimes we're perhaps typecasting him. For, you know, for me, it's worship. I love to worship. I'm missing gathering together in worship, but I'm loving YouTube. I'm loving listening to Maverick City, listen to their new album this week. It's fantastic. But am I closing off other areas, other ways? Is my posture shut down to receive uh, that same encouragement and that same encounter moments through prayer or through going out for a walk or spending uh, just time in his presence? Am I particular just chasing down worship as being the the soul encounter moment. I want to say God speaks in different ways. Are we giving him the space? Do we shut him down when uh, it's not how we like it? It's coming outside the boundaries of what we usually experience. I just want to pray over that this morning. Lord, we say sorry when our past has limited you. Where we soak in the stories or the encounter moments of yesteryear and experience and miss what you're doing now. We say sorry when that is meant moments have disappeared, moments that you wanted for us to step into. But we love your grace, we love your mercy, and we say this morning we want to be present in the present, the here and now. And we want to speak against areas and spaces and places where we've typecasted you, Lord, and not allowed you to show us a new thing. Show us what the root of that is this morning. When you show up, we want to be a people who say yes to the new 
We want to say a people. We want to be a people that say yes, however different that is, however uncomfortable that might make us feel initially. We want to say yes. So we need to beware of typecasting. Secondly, don't miss out. Don't miss out. Uh, one of my favourite movies is Back to the Future. It's Back to the Future. I love it. The soundtrack. Just everything about the movie. It's just a classic. All three of them are brilliant. I love Michael J. Fox as well. Uh, I'm reading his book just now, which is really good as well. I just love it. I love uh, Doc as well. Great Scott! I just love all the little phrases and, and quotes as well. And I love the idea of travelling back in the past, in, 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 into the past. I love that, uh, yeah, I just love the concept of the movie. And most of the movies, there's moments where they're travelling back in the past and somehow they upset something in the past that was meant to stay in the past. And as a result, when they return to the present, their futures are altered. So I remember a particular scene where there's a photo and things are disappearing in the photo when he comes back into the present. And unless he fixes it back in the past, his future will be different. Oh, it gets kind of confusing the more you think about it. But things disappear in front of their eyes. Now, unfortunately, I don't have flux capacitors or hoverboards or DeLoreans. But living in and from the past in our walks with Jesus, we miss out. We miss out. I have uh, friends who still like a CD. Who won't do the streaming thing when it comes to listening to music. You know, they think it's just a phase. And uh, I'm also a bit of a gamer. I like games consoles. I grew up playing games consoles, having my friends around, eating my mum and dad out of house and home, and, and just hanging out with them. And I'm sentimental about a few things that I possess. And... Uh, one of the things, or two of the things, are these games. So these are Game & Watch games. I'll show you them. I'll come up closer so you can have a wee look. So, well, the lighting isn't very good. There we go. There's that one. And there's that one. And uh, they're brilliant little games. And my grandfather bought me them. My granddad bought me them when I was seven years old. Uh, or when I was younger, actually. A couple of years younger, he bought me these little games consoles. And... Uh, my, my, grand, my granddad died when I was seven years old. He passed away when I was seven. And I've kept them close ever since. I've got them in my study on my bookcase. You know, 30 years ago, these were cutting edge. These were cutting edge. State-of-the-art screens, the smallest battery needed, you know, uh, it would need one of those little little round silver batteries, the, you know, great buttons, a little soundtrack that played when you were playing and the sound was so crisp. And I have a, a special affinity with them. I love them. And uh, about a year ago, I got some batteries for them and started playing them again. I don't actually know. Maybe they'll work here just now. No, the batteries are dead. Anyway, I would have just uh, stopped and come back to you in a minute and played the games. But... Imagine tomorrow I was to take these games into Curry's or I was to go to the boss of Nintendo who, who uh, made these games and uh, I said to them, these are amazing. This is all I play. And, uh, you know, this is, these are just incredible, incredible games. And the guy in Curry's just goes, yeah, 
incredible 30 years ago. Let me show you what we have now. Times have moved on. There's better stuff. There's better stuff around. Let me show you the PlayStations and the Xboxes and the new Nintendo stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I'm adamant. These are amazing. I'm just going to stick to these. These little things can still cut it. You don't understand. This is the best of kit. This is the best of kit. I love the game Squish and the game Save Purster. I don't want to hear about Mario. I don't want to hear about Sonic. I don't want to hear about all the other new stuff that I don't know what's in these days. But I don't want to hear about FIFA. I want to play these. You know, my emotional attachment to these is skewing the reality of what is in front of me. I wonder if we carry anything from our walk with Jesus that, is, uh, that he's saying, you know, that's had its day and its purpose. Don't try and pull through from the past because of that sentiment. Jesus is saying there's something new ahead for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. There's a time for everything. There's a time for everything. You know, even my six-year-old, if I showed him, then he would say, you know, no way, no way. We have Xboxes now, Daddy. Like, what are you doing with them? Maybe the Lord's saying, lay the old lens down. And it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop my affinity with these. These are still special. They still hold a place. But I don't pull them through into the now. Jesus touched upon this a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe the Lord's saying, you know, lay the old lens down this morning. He touched upon it on, in Matthew 5, well, a little parable. And he was speaking about wine and wineskins. And the line he said was, don't pour, old, uh, don't pour new wine into old wineskins. Because what they would, the wineskin would hold the liquid. And if you were to do that, it would end up bursting. It would end up bursting. Uh, it wasn't suitable the new wine in old wineskins. People were focusing too much on the old wineskin. Perhaps the sentimental value, what it did before. Attaching, uh, yeah, just attaching things to this old wineskin. When the Lord's saying, actually, new wine goes into new wineskins. And the Pharisees, it's off the back of the Pharisees who were just a constant kind of uh, hubble. I don't know, is that a word? A constant kind of, uh, yeah, just grumblings of, you can't do that. Oh, but it says this, the rules and regulations say this. Or that isn't how it's meant to happen. Healing on the Sabbath, who are you? What are you doing? I wonder what the Lord wants to challenge in our past that we're trying to pull through into the present and fight for. Are we missing what Jesus is actually wanting to lead us into? You see, if we focus so much on the wineskin, the old wineskin, we miss actually the wine. We miss what Jesus is wanting to do. We don't see him. I wonder what the Lord's speaking into there for us. Not to miss out. To be a people that look up and see what he is doing. And you know, perhaps some of that is understanding as well. It's also something in our past that is hindering us. That is holding on to us. That is gripping on every time we want to pursue the new. We want to step out. We want to try something new. We truly want to say yes. But every time 
we are just about to step forward, we hear, but if they really knew your past, who do you think you are? Do you think you can do that? Maybe these verses that we've read are really about receiving from the Holy Spirit or reminding you to receive, reminding us to receive from the Holy Spirit the freedom that we have in Christ. For him to invade our hearts afresh. We've been setting camp up in the past. It's become our home and we've disqualified ourselves from the new. We've signed out of the mission. We've decided to be a bystander. And this morning is an invitation to receive his grace. This morning is an invitation, a reminder that we're needed, that we are needed on these new roads and new rivers.